Happy Sabbath, church. I trust you had a good week. Did you? Is your presence here indicative of God's love manifesting itself in your life? I pray that it is. And that you can testify to somebody that God loves you. Amen? Acts chapter 19. Let's turn to the word of God now. Acts chapter 19. Uh, I'll read just a couple verses uh, so that we are reminded of what is happening here. Before I read, let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we have to study your word. And now, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. I want to recognize the presence of my wife with me this morning. Uh, I don't always have the opportunity to have her with me. And she doesn't like to stand. So I will just ask her to wave so that uh, you see who she is. Yeah. The Bible states in Acts chapter 19, I'm going to read verse 8, 11, and, and 20. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. 11. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul and 20 so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed I have a question for you today if our church here in Belleville were to close its door would it be missed? Praise the Lord. I have asked that question in many places and the congregation has remained silent. So that if this church were to close its door, there would definitely be a hole. There would be a void in the community if the lights went out. Someone will miss you. Praise God for that. But if it happens and nobody misses you, we need to think again. Because that will be a sobering thought for all of us. I want to share with you today three ways we can influence our community based on Acts chapter 19. And some of us like to write. So the three ways we're going to look at are one, proclaim Jesus. Number two, know Jesus. Don't just use Jesus. Let me say that one again. Know Jesus. Don't just use Jesus. And number three, show that your life 
has been transformed. So I'll repeat them. Proclaim Jesus. Know Jesus. Don't just use him. And show your life has been transformed. I want you to notice three principles about proclaiming Jesus. Here's what Acts 19.8 says. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Wow. We need as seven-day Adventist Christians to tell people who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We studied a very powerful Sabbath school lesson this week and Hezekiah missed the point as we studied based on the question that the prophet Isaiah raised with him. We need to be able to tell people who Jesus is. And I want to suggest to us, to us today that if we are yet to know who Jesus is, we need to learn who Jesus is. And if he has not done anything for us, we need to talk to him so that he can remind us of what he has done for us. Because we can stay here for the rest of the day and the rest of the days ahead of us to talk of all the good things that Jesus has done for us. The fact that we are here today is indicative of him having done something for us. You think you woke up this morning all by yourself? Well, I want to suggest to us that my Jesus tapped you wherever you were and woke you up this morning. So we can be thankful and tell somebody of what he has done. The Bible says Paul usually went first to the synagogue because the synagogue was the Jewish place of worship. And there he spoke boldly. He used the word of God to speak boldly. He didn't have the New Testament scriptures at the time. All he had was the Old Testament scripture. But nevertheless, he spoke boldly. The question is, what did Paul tell these people back there then? He told them the kingdom of God is at hand. Look at verse 8. And persuaded concerning the things of the kingdom of God. He didn't speak of himself. He could have. Because he had an experience on the road to Damascus. You remember that story? He could have spoken about that. But he spent time speaking about the kingdom of God. We need to be able to know what is going to happen one of these days. That Jesus will come and usher in his kingdom. And those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. We will be taken with him to live eternally. The kingdom of God. Paul spoke boldly. And what was his method? The Bible says, he reasoned and he persuaded them. He reasoned and persuaded them. Well, I want to tell you that the word reason that we use today comes from the word dialogue. 
In other words, Paul spent time in the synagogue having a dialogue, a conversation. A dialogue is not one way. A dialogue takes place two way. If it's one way, it's a monologue. It's a dialogue taking place. So I imagine that those who were listening to Paul had questions to ask based on what Paul was saying. So Paul spent time in a dialogue and his dialogue was such that he persuaded them. It wasn't a bland conversation. Uh, well, maybe I think so. No. Paul was very persuasive in what he was presenting uh, about the kingdom of God. And we too need to be persuasive. We need to be passionate about God and the things of God and the things of the kingdom of God. People must know that we truly are children of God in our passionate dialogue with them. And the Bible also says he spent three months Sometimes we have one Bible study and we get tired and give up because somebody objected to something we said. No, we have to be patient. Talk to them about the Bible and answer their questions. Sometimes they would have questions that we don't have the answers for immediately. It is okay to tell the person I don't have the answer, but I'll check it out and get back to you. That's maturity. Tell them that. I don't have all of the answers. So if you ask me a question at the door and I don't have the answer for it, I'll tell you I don't have the answer for it. And I wouldn't feel embarrassed about that. But you know what? I'll take a note of the question and I'll go check it out. So the next time that question is raised to me, I'll have an answer. Paul listened to them. He was willing to listen to them and he was willing to share with them and ready and available to speak with them of the kingdom of God. My dear brothers and sisters, don't be afraid to bring up eternal matters, uh, matters of heaven and salvation, uh, matters of Jesus with your family and friends. Don't be afraid to do it. We must find ways to do that in our conversations. The second principle uh, of proclaiming Jesus is we need to understand is this. People do not reject us. They reject God. We often think they're rejecting us. No, they're rejecting God. Acts 19.9 but when some were hardened and did not believe but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. It's not about us. They've rejected God. When people become stubborn and they want to continue in their own way, they reject God. They harden their hearts and they reject Jesus. And the Bible says their unbelief was expressed in opposition to the gospel. It's not opposition to you who are preaching the gospel. It's opposition to the gospel. So if people spurn the gospel, remember this. 
they are not rejecting you even if you may feel that way but ultimately they are rejecting Jesus Christ Romans 8 7 reminds us the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God wow the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God they're not hostile to us third principle in proclaiming Jesus don't stop witnessing no matter what the situation don't stop witnessing look at Paul's situation look at Paul Paul did not let opposition stop him from talking about Jesus in fact Acts 19.9 and 10 says instead of giving up he leaves the synagogue where there was some hostility and opposition and he goes to the hall of Tyrannus this was a lecture hall when you research it you realize that this was a lecture hall that Paul went to historians say that Paul taught from 11 a.m. in the day to 4 p.m. and he did it every day why in that cultural experience people would rest each day between 11 and 4 So he would work early in the morning and then go to the hall and share the good news. And at four, people went back to work. So at four, he went to his tent building experience where he can make a few dollars to live. That was Paul. You have to learn your own environment and adapt your proclamation of Jesus your environment so what obtains in the city of Toronto will not always be what would happen in the town of Belleville right so you in Belleville have to develop your own strategies but don't stop witnessing always witness but develop your own strategy to suit your context that's what you're drawing out of what Paul did so Paul used he understood his context and he used that situation to share the gospel in a time when the people were not at work, when they were getting some rest or relaxing. And so people would come to the lecture halls and listen to him during that time. And he was persistent with that. He didn't give up. The Bible says how long he spent there. And as a result, all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord whether they were Jews or Greeks they heard the word of the Lord but not everyone became a believer but you know what everyone heard about Jesus that's the good news we are not called to ensure that everybody becomes a believer you know? we are called to share to everyone about Jesus and the Holy Spirit will do its work. Some of us want to do the Holy Spirit work. But let's leave the Holy Spirit to do his work. Let's do what God calls us to be. We are instruments to share the good news. Then the Holy Spirit takes a hold of that person and will convert that person, convict the person, will draw them closer to, to Jesus Christ. All heard of what Paul was saying. Because Paul was bold 
as he influenced the community for the gospel. The second uh, important point that we need to draw out of this passage, know Jesus. Don't just use Jesus. <laughs> we have two examples in, this, in the Bible, especially in this passage, of people who knew Jesus versus those who used Jesus. Now, how did God use Paul? He used Paul to do miracles that confirmed the gospel. Acts 19.11 says, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. God enabled not man, not the head of the church, not the pastor, not the head elder, not the superintendent. God enabled Paul to perform miracles, special miracles. And you don't say, well, how is it today we can't do this and that or the other? Understand the context in which Paul was operating. Paul was operating in Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus was the center of occult. Yes, they believed in these things. When you read Acts 8, 19, 18, 19, 20, you see that. And Paul was demonstrating uh, as he, uh, God gave him the power in special miracles that Satan's power cannot overtake God. It cannot dominate. Satan's territory can be taken by God. So Paul was taking over through the power of God. These miracles that Paul was able uh, to show knew that showed the people that Paul knew God. He didn't just know about God. There's a difference in them. We got to know Jesus for ourselves. Not about Jesus. Not because the preacher tells you about Jesus means that you know Jesus. You got to have your own personal testimony. Your own personal experience with Jesus. So you can tell people, I know Jesus. For myself, not somebody told me something. This is what he has done for me. Paul knew Jesus. Oh yes, on the road to Damascus, while he was pre preparing to go slaughter the saints of the living God, Jesus uh, 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 appeared to him as a shining light. You know the story, that Damascus road story. Uh, uh, and they had a conversation. Paul knew Jesus. And based on that experience, he could tell people of who Jesus is. We need to know Jesus, not about Jesus. The second example we want to look at is that of the seven sons of Sceva. Verses 13 to 16. The Bible says in verse 13, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. <laughs> now here we have seven Jewish exorcists. I want you to know this is the only time the word is used, that word exorcist is used in the New Testament. It's right there. In Acts chapter 19. These folks thought that they could do it. 
they thought they could invoke the name of the Lord Jesus and cast out demons. They were attempting to use Jesus' name with some good luck charm. A lot of us as Christians today try the same thing. But it doesn't work that way, my friend. Because these demons started to talk. Because you see, these brothers of Sceva, the sons of Sceva, they didn't know Jesus for themselves. They, they were trying to do this thing based on Paul's experience. Don't try to do it based on the head elder's experience. Don't try to do it on your parents' experience or on your spouse's experience. You got to have your own experience with Jesus. They didn't know that these demons could talk. And these demons wanted money too. And these demons decided to have an interaction. And so the demons started talking to the brothers. Hey, sons of Sceva. Jesus, we know. And Paul, we recognize. Hey, sons of Sceva, who are you? We don't know you. That's what they were trying to say to the sons of Sceva. So the, 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 the demons were having a field day with the sons of Sceva. They were laughing at them. Because they knew that these guys didn't know Jesus for themselves. They, they knew about Jesus. And they were attempting to use the, the experience of Paul to cast out demons. It doesn't work like that, my brothers and sisters. For not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, the Bible says, will enter the kingdom of God. But those who do what? Praise the Lord for that. I challenge us today that we will follow the will of the Father and do that which he has called us to do. The third way we can influence our community as we try to wind it down here is to show that our lives have been transformed. So we got to proclaim Jesus. We got to know Jesus for ourselves. Don't just use Jesus. And we got to show our lives have been transformed. The little song that we learn in Sabbath school over the years says, the things I used to do, what it says, I do them no more. The place I used to go, I'll go there no more. You see, my dear brothers and sisters, as you read Acts 19, verses 17 to 20, the Bible reminds us that the residents of Ephesus were filled with fear, not a fear of demons, but the fear of God. And as a result, the name of Jesus was extolled. How was the name of Jesus honored? It was honored in the transformed lives of these new believers. Uh, Acts 19 says, uh, also many of those who are now believers, they came confessing and divulging their practices. Uh, they were gripped by God. They were gripped by the power of God, Jesus Christ. In fact, the way it is worded means they kept coming. They didn't just come one time. They just kept coming and coming. So much so that as they came, they repented and showed it by confessing and admitting their magic was sinful. Yes, 
they admitted their magic was evil. They admitted that the practices that they were involved in were not good. And in an act of showing they were sorry for their sins, the Bible says they burn their magic books. Friends, when we turn away from practices that are not akin to following Jesus, we don't need to go back there. We need to get rid of those things in our lives that are not like Jesus. We are called to confess our sins, turn away from it, and live differently. When we encounter Jesus, we will never be the same again. But not only does the church know that, the world needs to see that in us. It is as the world sees that, that they will know that we have been with Jesus. Romans 13 verses 12 to 14 says, The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. We need to be transformed when we meet Jesus Christ. 1 John 1 7 says if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin not some sin all sin so we don't need to go back to those practices anymore we are called my dear brothers and sisters, to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. So people in this community, in the community where you live, can see the transformation that the gospel has brought into your lives. Why will lives change? That's the question. Lives will change because of the proclamation of the word of the Lord. So we should always remember that we are called to proclaim the love of Jesus Christ. Lives will change because we preach and teach the Bible. Lives will change because the Bible is vital to the ministry of the gospel. Lives will change because people saw Jesus and those who lifted up his name. I challenge us all today to live transformed lives. The prophet Isaiah speaking in Isaiah 55 11 says so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth it shall not do what? Return to me empty or void the King James Version says but it shall accomplish that which I purpose 
and shall succeed in the thing which I sent it for. Praise the Lord. As we are faithful to proclaim God's word, God will bring the increase. Wow. We don't bring the increase, brothers and sisters. We are called to proclaim it. That's what we are called to do. But when God's word is presented, presented, it never comes back void. So God allows his, us, allows us to be involved in this whole process. We proclaim the word. and He takes over and gives the increase. God will save people from their sins. Not in their sins. From their sins and set them free. God gives the increase. I praise God for that. For Jesus said to the disciples, when he, the spirit of truth, has come. Speaking of the comforter. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. Speaking of the paracletos in John 15 onward. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will convict you. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that will do the work. So Paul was always willing to proclaim Jesus. And people saw transformation in his life. My dear brothers and sisters, may God help us to influence our community as we spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, the story is told of a young lawyer who was walking U.S. streets in the city of Los Angeles. And he came across a beggar sitting by the roadside. And the beggar was asking for money. Stretched out his hand and the long lo young lawyer stopped and looked at him. And all the beggar was saying was, please help me. And as the lawyer stared at him, he said, do I know you from somewhere? And the response came back, yes, you do. We went to school together. The voice rang through and the lawyer said, Sam, why Sam? And Sam looked up at the lawyer. He said, yes, we walked the halls of Mayan Hall. So, and while he's saying all of that, the, the young lawyer has taken out his pocketbook and wrote a check for $10,000. handed it to the beggar and said take this it's not what happened in the past Sam it's your future that matters and he went on his way to his 
office tower. Sam looked at himself in tattered clothes, dirty. Looked at the clean check that was signed by his schoolmate friend, who he had now met again. Got up and slowly walked down the street to the bank, which was not very far away. He got to the front of the bank and he looked in. And all he saw was people dressed fine, clean clothes, well, well dressed. And he looked at himself in his tattered clothes and he murmured to himself, They will not take this. They will think that I robbed somebody somewhere. He crumpled the check, sticked it into his pocket, turned around, and went back to his same spot begging. It just so happened that the next morning, the lawyer passed by the same place and saw him sitting there again, and he looked at him, and he said, why, Sam? What did you do with my check that I gave to you? Did you gamble it? Did you drink it? Did you smoke it? What did you do? And Sam, with tears in his eyes, looked up at the lawyer and said, as he stuck his hand in his pocket, here is it. I didn't catch it. Those folks in the bank looked too clean for me to go in. He looked at Sam and he said, Sam, I want you to know it's not you that matter. It's me. I signed it. My name signed on that check matters at the bank. My brothers and sisters, one day long ago, Jesus Christ took his blood and signed a check for all of us to be delivered free. Hallelujah. It's not what we look like today that matters. It's about Jesus. The blood of Jesus Christ signed free for all of us. You are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And so I say to each of us today, as we encounter our brothers and sisters, regardless of what they look like, where they have come from, how they dress, how they smell, how they speak, what they eat, what music they listen to. It's not about that. It's about the blood of Jesus Christ who sets 
humans free. And today I challenge all of us submit to Jesus Christ. Submit to Him. Because as we submit to Him, He would set us free and He would give us the power to proclaim Jesus. He would give us the power to proclaim the gospel. And he would give us the power to live the transformed life. Is there somebody today who wants to say, Preacher, I am going to accept Jesus Christ and his blood on Calvary. Somebody just want to join me. I'm standing to your feet. You know, I don't know where you've come from. I don't even know your struggles. I don't know your names. But I know we all need Jesus every day. So if there's somebody who wants to join me on their feet, just to say, Preacher, pray for me. That's all I'm going to do. Pray for you today. Would you stand with me? I struggle just like you. And I want to see Jesus. And so if you want to see him, ask him to recommit your life today. Just stand up where you are. A recommitment. So that we can make it to the kingdom. You know, all of what we're doing is about going, making it to the kingdom. I want when we get to the kingdom, I could see you and say, oh, you know, I remember you. I remember you in Belleville. You remember that Sabbath in Belleville? I remember you. Oh, Jesus, Father in heaven, we need you. Like the beggar on the street, we need you. Oftentimes we think, Father, that we are better than those folks on the outside there who are in tattered clothes. But we are no better save for the blood of Jesus Christ. Help us, God. Reinvigorate us. Reconsecrate us today so that we can influence our communities for Jesus Christ. Bless your people, Lord. And there may be somebody here who is struggling. I don't know. But you know. You know what their struggle is. And so I ask you, O oh God, that you will be with them today. And that you will strengthen them. That you would renew their spirit. That you buoy their spirits up. And remind them that you are the God of yesterday, today, and forevermore. Remind them that you're the God of the mountain and you're the God of the valley. You're the God who was with Israel in Egypt. You're the God who sent Israel out of Egypt. And you're the God who took them through the Red Sea. You're the God who delivered them and allowed the Egyptians to be swallowed up. And you can do the same for us. We commit ourselves into your care today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let God's people say, Amen. Amen.